I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, you can find my regular column in Agent's Take on NFL Business Matters at CBSSports.com. Um, in this episode, we're going to touch on three topics. Uh, running backs. Also going to touch on waiver did uh, Gerald McCoy add in his contract and Yannick Ngakwe's situation. Let's start with running backs. Um, Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings uh, have reached an impasse. They're a stalemate. stalemate. Uh, negotiations have broken off. Cook is in the last year of his contract. He's scheduled to make a little over $1.33 million um, this year. Uh, they've been negotiating for quite some time. During the offseason, right before, during the middle of the uh, virtual uh, workout program, Cook decided he was going to stop participating. And that was because he wasn't satisfied with the direction of the contract negotiations. Uh, the Vikings supposedly put an offer on the table at about $8 million per year, which is what Moton Gordon signed for. Two years, uh, $16 million, 13 uh in guarantees from Melvin Gordon. Supposedly, the what would be a reasonable con- contract to Dalvin Cook's people is David Johnson territory, $13 million per year. Uh, there are a couple problems with paying running backs. One, the guys who have gotten paid at the top of the market in recent years have been a bad investment for teams. Teams haven't gotten good return. Uh, once David Johnson got paid, did nothing for the Arizona Cardinals, ultimately was replaced by Kenyon Drake, and he was traded uh, to the Houston Texans uh, this offseason. Todd Gurley signed a four-year extension, which reset the market in 2018, averaging $14.375 million per year. He had two years left on his rookie deal when he signed that, so he was cut this offseason by the Rams without playing any of the new years on his contract. Ezekiel Elliott became the highest paid running back last year at $15 million per year um, after a lengthy preseason holdout. He had a bad year or mediocre year by his own standards. It was a good year generally for a running back, but just not up to what he had been doing. And Le'Veon Bell, his first year with the uh, Jets, uh, didn't live up to his contract. That's a four-year deal. Uh, $52.5 million. Um, during the offseason, um, Chris McCaffrey reset the running back market four-year extension, averaging a little over $16 million per year. And the latest um, data point we have is Derrick Henry, uh, who was franchised by the Titans, uh, signed a four-year $50 million deal, first two years are fully guaranteed at $25 million. Um, there's another million incentive, so the max the deal 
is worth is 51 million. Um, to me, really, what should be if I'm the if the I'm the agent, I'm looking at Derrick Henry's deal and like, hey, that's really the market we should be in. The Vikings could move to and see if it would get it done if they haven't already because they're not tons of details out on what the offers are. Go between, somewhere between Henry and Gordon. So basically if you add those two together, you're talking 12.5 and, and you're talking 8, then you're a shade over 10 on an overall average. Now, one of the things which really cuts in the uh, Vikings' favor is franchise tags are going to drop tremendously. Um, because of the way franchise tags are calculated with the cap floor being $175 million. It's currently $198.2 million. But uh, franchise tags are based on what's called a cap, cap percentage average, and it's over a five-year period. So what you do is you calculate the average of top five salaries each year, which was how the old methodology of franchise tags were. Um, add those five years up. Divide that by the five years of the salary cap. And this looks back backwards the last five years. And then you multiply that by what the cap is. So it's based off a percentage of the cap. Um, the problem with the running backs is the cap, the uh, tag number has been steadily declining past few years. When, when Bell was franchised in 2017, his first tag, it was $12.12 million. In 2018, the formula spit out $11.866 million. 2019, $11.214 million. Derrick Henry's tag was $10.278 million. So with the cap dropping up to potentially $175, hopefully their revenues are going to have it be higher. That We're looking at 8.3 is a uh, tag number for running backs. That's a huge drop. And also it's going to drop anyway because the percentage running backs are taken up under the cap uh, for Derrick Henry this year, 5.18%. The cap percentage average that the formula yields is going to be 4.74 percent um for next year for 2021 so even if you had the cap at 198 million you're you're uh you're you're talking a a tag at 9.4 so that's still a big drop and the cap was supposed to be 210 or something along those lines as a projection pre-pandemic it'd still be a shade under 10 at 9.996 million but if i'm a cook I'm really not in a hurry to get a deal done. I'd like to have security, peace of mind before the regular season, but particularly since um, Alvin Kamara and the Saints have started uh, negotiations. That was reported yesterday that uh, they're now talking. Kamara's an interesting case uh, from the standpoint that last year he had a sprained MCL and ankle injuries and wasn't necessarily himself. Uh, Didn't have the best year. Uh, under his standards and one of the things which if I'm the Saints I hold against him in negotiations that unlike Christian McCaffrey he's not a workhorse running back McCaffrey never comes off the field Uh, Kamara's been in a timeshare his whole time um, since he was drafted he was the 2017 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year he was splitting time with Mark Ingram even when Ingram had a four-game suspension um, I think his last year in New Orleans the Ingrams before he left Kamara still didn't become the workhorse back. They had him, they had him on a pitch count. Then last year, um, they brought in Latavius Murray to kind of put him in a somewhat of a timeshare. And he missed a couple of games with the injuries. And the team didn't miss a beat in those two games. Um, but nonetheless, despite all that, uh, Kamara 
has 243 receptions in his uh, three NFL seasons. That's the second most ever for a running back to start a, to start a career behind Chris McCaffrey's 203. And also, in terms of yards from scrimmage, since he's entered the league in 2017, he's got the fifth most during that span with um, 4,476 uh, yards from scrimmage. I can't see uh, Kamara getting Chris McCaffrey money, but if I'm representing Kamara, I'm not signing a deal, notwithstanding how the franchise tag number is going to look next year, that is going to be less than Derrick Henry, and that's $12.5 million per year. And really, the sweet spot would probably be somewhere between McCaffrey and um, Derrick Henry, so $14 million per year maybe. So if I'm Dalvin Cook, I wait and see for if, if that gets done. So hopefully that'll be something that gets done quickly and could potentially help him. There's also another running back that um, is in negotiations, Joe Mixon. That could be relevant as well. Uh, the Cincinnati uh, Bengals running back, he's had over, he's had back-to-back 1,100-yard years and has got 2,305 rushing yards past two years, which ranks seventh um, in 2018 and eight, 2018 and 19 combined. So there could be more data points in the marketplace, which should make it presumably easier for Dalvin Cook if he has a little bit of patience because those deals could get done um, before the start of the regular season. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jared McCoy's contract contains a clause which uh, caught me off guard when he was uh, released after he ruptured his right quad tendon. Um, one, I was not expecting um, for his contract to contain an injury waiver. Um, typically, you don't see injury waivers in contracts which average $6 million per year. Um, now, what an injury waiver does is it typically absolves a team of liability for certain rights under collective bargaining agreement, like the right to medical care and treatment, um, prohibits a player from filing an injury grievance or a non-injury grievance, also uh, prevents him from um, following, getting the injury protection benefits should it be applicable to the player's situation. You're not entitled to your salary if you have an injury which is uh, outlined in the injury waiver, and his says right knee chronic, chronic quad tendonitis and related structures. In, that's in paragraph uh, 35 of the addendums of his contract. And it further reads that player understands and agrees that to continue to practice or play professional football may result in deterioration, aggravation, or re-injury of the pre-existing condition, or even a new injury caused in whole or in part by a prior injury, whether or not related to the pre-existing condition, rendering player physically unable to perform services that were required of a player by an NFL contract. Now, since he had guarantees in his contract, this is where it, it really comes into play, more so than the other things I'm talking about. He had um, his paragraph 5 salary for uh, this year, uh, $2.5 million, uh, fully guaranteed. Then there's a clause for that guarantee 
Uh, it says, in the event this NFL player contract is terminated due to a deterioration or aggravation of the physical condition set forth in paragraph 35 of this addendum or due to any other injury to player's right quad tendon that is related to pre-existing condition set forth in paragraph 35 of this addendum, then this guarantee is null and void. So it wipes out the $2.5 million uh, base salary guarantee he had this year because the injury was specifically outlined in the uh, injury waiver clause. And also, he had um, a $3.5 million injury guarantee his base salary next year. One five was fully guaranteed at signing. So, that's wiped out too. If he had an injury, let's say he had torn the ACL in his left knee, then that stuff doesn't apply. Breaks an ankle, doesn't apply. Any other injury except what is outlined in the injury waiver, then... The, the guarantees remain intact. You typically see these types of uh, injury waivers in more or less uh, guys who don't have a ton of leverage, uh, guys who are on minimum contracts. Some, sometimes it's undrafted free agents, veterans coming off of uh, um, an injury from the previous season. The The interesting thing is McCoy doesn't really miss games. <laughs> Um, in his career, so uh, that's why I was first. You, were, I didn't think there would be an injury waiver in here. It never crossed my mind. But he played all 16 games for the Carolina Panthers last year. This supposedly been an injury. He's had uh, the tendonitis for like a good two, three, four years, from my understanding. Carolina didn't ask for one last year, so I don't know what has made it worse for um, Dallas to want one this year. Um, but they're still going to have cap consequences. There's a $3 million signing bonus. He gets to keep that. So they're going to have um, – it was a three-year deal. They're going to have on the, him on the books for uh, $1 million this year. And because we're past June 1, then he's going to have a uh, cap charge next year of $2 million. Uh, this was just something which caught my, caught my eye because it's uh, completely uh, unusual uh, to have a contract of this size have an injury waiver. Um I do recall one with uh, Quincy and Nunwa, uh, the uh, Jets receiver who is perpetually injured. He had an injury waiver for a high ankle sprain um, it, it, when he signed his uh, big deal um, a couple years ago. And, but the injury guarantee was, I mean, the injury waiver was going to expire um, if he was able to pass a physical in 2019 during the offseason. Or say at certain dates, one early off season, one right when you'd report basically uh, for the off season workout program, or at the start of training camp. Um, and he did, so his injury waiver was was no longer um, existent. But uh, McCoy having one didn't see that coming in a contract. Hopefully <laughs> that that's that doesn't become a trend where uh, NFL teams start insisting upon one for. Uh, veterans who have an injury, particularly one which didn't require surgery. Uh, you really see teams attack this more from a uh, standpoint of getting a split in the contract where there is a higher salary um, in your contract. Uh, if you're on the 50-man roster, typically in a lower salary if you are or not. And there's a minimum amounts of a split, and typically it is at the minimum uh, outlined in the CBA. Um, and it's uh, for and it varies based on your credited seasons, um, basically years of service that you have um, in the league. And one of particular note of a split 
this year is uh, Joe Flacco. Um, he's got a base salary of $1.05 million, his league minimum, and a split of 550. And the split is only applicable if he has an injury relating to a pre-existing condition, which would be his back. I mean, his, or his neck, I should say, um, because the injury suffered last year. But you see those in rookie contracts that teams have splits beginning in the third round, um, either for one or two years. And there are two types of splits. There's a preseason split where if you hit the 50-man roster, once you do, the split goes away. And then a full split or an up-and-down split where every week you're on the 50-man roster determines your salary. So say you start the season on IR, you're making the lower amount. You get activated during the year, come off IR, you make the higher amount. You get hurt again, go back on IR, then you make the lower amount. So that that's the two splits, the uh, preseason disappearing and the full up-down split. And that applies to any other list if you're on PUP or something where you're not on the 50-man roster. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And finally, let's turn our attention to uh, Yannick Ngakwe, the only franchise player who has not signed. Um, he has an unsigned tender of $17.788 million. Uh, the Jaguars' defensive end was subject of trade rumors this week. The Jaguars have been pushing for a hard bargain. Part of that is probably because they waited and were patient with Jalen Ramsey and got a King's ransom for him uh, last year, two first-round picks and a fourth. Uh, and Gakwe has made it very clear he's not going to play for the Jaguars ever again. Uh, this needs to result in a trade. The, he had a Twitter spat right around the draft with the owner's son, um, Tony Khan. Uh, one of the things about trying to trade him is you need cap room to do it. Um, you'd have to be able to accommodate his tender since you can't sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, some of the teams in, that have been rumored to trade for him may not necessarily have enough cap room to do it. Um, like uh, the Raiders aren't anywhere remotely close to being able to uh, fit his um, cap number in or, or what his tender would be because you have to sign it. So you'd have to do something like Javon Clowney last year uh, where the um, Jaguars ate salary in order to accommodate trading him uh, to the Seahawks. So this, on the way out the door, the Texans turned $7 million into signing bonus and only $8 million is what the uh, Seahawks are responsible for. You'd probably have to see something like that. Unless it's the team like the Jets who need a defensive end, have the draft capital, they have a little over $20 million of cap room. Um, if Seattle wants to be like the Rams and start mortgaging first-round picks into oblivion so you can't draft anybody um, at that high level, even though John Snyder finds a way to manufacture draft picks when they give them away, like uh, last year uh, after trade, after uh uh, they turned the, the picks for Frank Clark into multiple picks, so he, he can manufacture picks when, uh, when uh, it seems like you, you can't turn uh, a couple of picks into uh, major picks. But they've got enough cap room, almost enough room to camp accommodate it. 
Uh, Cleveland, they've been flirting. They were flirting with bringing another defensive end before they guaranteed um, Uve Vernon's salary this year when he uh, did a contract restructure slash pay cut. Um, they've got like $37 million in cap room. Um, so, so they could do it as well. But the one thing that would be uh, most interesting to me um, is you're still allowed to do uh, – he can sign an offer sheet. He can sign an offer sheet up until the 10th week – the Tuesday following the 10th week of the regular season, which would be the November 17th deadline. That's when the signing period for franchise players ends. So there is one way in Gakwe to get a long-term contract, the only way, and move to another team. Or it actually could end up staying with um, Jacksonville, which would not be what he would want to be there stuck long-term because they could match the offer sheet. I, would, I doubt they would. They'd take two first-round picks and run. Um, but... The Jets, if they wanted him badly enough, could give up two first-round picks, sign him to an offer sheet, try to structure it in a way that the Jaguars wouldn't match, and there you go. He could have a long-term contract. Only way. Can't sign a long-term contract in a sign-and-trade. Couldn't sign one to go back to Jacksonville if he wanted to, even though he, he's been very adamant that he wasn't wanna, doesn't want to play there. But the you haven't had a franchise tag player move for full compensation in 20 years since uh, Joey Joey uh, Galloway did when Seattle franchised him and ultimately he ended up uh, going to the uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys. That compensation in terms of franchise trades, you'd really think more along the lines of Frank Clark, a first and a second and a swap of third teams exchange third round picks. Uh, Clowney went for a third and uh, a, a couple of players. Um, and you had... This year, not a franchise player, but something that might be indicative of the marketplace potentially. Um, what Jacksonville could would have to accept because you can't sign him long term in a trade. Um, DeForest Buckner went for a first round pick in the top half of the first round when he was traded from the San Francisco 49ers to the Indianapolis Colts. So giving up two first round picks in the offer sheet would probably be extreme. I don't anticipate that happening, but. It is permissible. Anyway, that'll wrap it up for this week. Don't forget, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and my regular column in Agents Take at CBSSports.com, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Inside the Cap.